As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. I don't know about you sleuth hounds, but I'm probably one of the most forgetful people on this planet. I'm constantly misplacing my phone, my car keys, the mail, my debit card. My husband jokes that I worry him with my bad memory and forgetfulness. I'm horrible with names. I forget details that other people can easily remember. I misplaced my passport for almost a year and a half. I looked everywhere. In closets, in my car, in all of my purses, in every drawer in our house, in every single cabinet, and it never turned up. When we moved, I thought, surely it will turn up as we pack. But nope, nothing. Not until we unpacked the last box did Anthony find my passport tucked away in a forgotten wallet that was in our old garage. It's easy to lose a cell phone. It's easy to lose a debit card. It's easy to lose your car keys. What isn't so easy to do is lose a person. And I'm not talking about losing a child that's been abducted or a person who's forced into the backseat of a car. At least with those cases, you have somewhere to start. You know something. I'm not talking about losing one, but rather about losing six healthy young men in a single night. Vanished without quite literally a single trace. Police searched the water, the shoreline, and contacted another country to be on the lookout for them. But despite all their searching, they found nothing. And what they did find led to more questions. Maybe police just haven't looked in the right places yet. Like me, they're looking all over but missing something small and unnoticeable that could solve this case. Maybe they need a fresh set of ears to hear this story. This is the case of the Lost Boys of Pickering. Welcome to Coffee and Cases, where we like our coffee hot and our cases cold. My name is Allison Williams. And my name is Maggie Dameron. We will be telling stories each week in the hopes that someone out there with any information concerning the case will take those tips to law enforcement so justice and closure can be brought to these families. With each case, we encourage you to continue in the conversation on our Facebook page, Coffee and Cases Podcast. And to follow us on Instagram at Coffee Cases Podcast and on TikTok at Coffee and Cases Podcast. 
because as these families know, conversation helps to keep their missing family member in the public consciousness, helping to keep their memories alive. So sit back, sip your coffee, and listen to what's brewing this week. All right, sleuthhounds, I have to warn you that this is not um, like a traditional missing persons case like that you would be used to hearing on coffee and cases. There aren't many theories, and quite frankly, most people from the area of today's case would consider it solved, sort of, but we have several requests we have had several requests to cover this case, and since it's still technically listed as unsolved, I thought that I would try to give it a go. So, so is it kind of like the Erica Baker where, like, we know, but we can't convict? Um, it is kind con- no, it is more like we, it's more like almost like Dyatlov, like. There are, it's not as crazy as that case, obviously, but like there are like theories, but none of them really make sense. Like they're just, they're just gone and we don't know where. So it's kind of, so with Diet Love, there are all the crazy theories like the ball lightning, but then most people are like avalanche. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, there's no ball lightning or spontaneous right. levitation or anything right. like that and none <laughs> that of we know stuff. of. Yeah. yeah. Um, but this week, we are back in one of my favorite places, Canada. You always end up in Canada. I know. All the I feel time. like I just need to move there. I really think so. Um, in particular, we are in the town of Pickering, Ontario. Okay. Which I had never heard of. Yeah. Um, but Pickering is a beautiful town and it's nestled next to Lake Ontario and it's home to about 92,000 people. Um, and like when I say beautiful, I really mean it. Like there were pictures that looked like a seaside town, like on a postcard type perfect. Mm. And this um, is and a far I- bigger town than normal, normally yeah, what we're a- talking about. Yeah, I mean, it's not like huge, huge, but it's a lot bigger than most places that we talk about. Yeah. And Allison, unlike you, I am not a huge lake person. <gasps> I love I the know. lake. Oh, I my, love the lake. My lake experiences have not been amazing, to say the least. The closest like lake to the house where I grew up was really a pond. Mm-hmm. And that pond was probably not the cleanest. <laughs> But Anthony, I mean, it was bigger than a pond. So I guess technically it was a lake. But Anthony loves to swim in the lake. And so in the summer, he would always want to swim. And by swim, I mean that, like, I would literally climb onto Anthony's back like a a spider monkey. (laughs) I could picture you. (laughs) And he would carry me into the water because, like, the mud in that lake, like, brought back flashbacks of stepping in chicken poop as a kid. (laughs) Like, and if you've ever stepped in chicken poop barefoot, like, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And so he would, like, carry me in, and I would find, like, a rock and, like, on one leg, like, perch on it. (laughs) And, like, you don't splash me in the face. I'm not going to get, like, my face is not going to go under in a lake. And, like, I'm not going to just move around because I just, it's, the water's green, and I can't see what's around me, and it just... Now, I will say it can be kind of creepy when, like, fish, like, nibble at your toes. Like, have you seen the people who do the, 
like pedicures and it's the oh fish. yeah oh, there's no way I could do that no like, that's gross that even, creeps me out even it, at like, the ocean sometimes they nibble and I'm like oh. yeah no. this last year I had some fish who were like following me around and it was creeping me out too much I had to get out yeah and like something else that bothers me about the lake I can't do like water snakes like, oh no and sometimes it's like anthony can say that he like saw them in the distance he's probably trying to scare me but like <laughs> he saw them in the distance and the first time we ever went to the lake i'm so naive but he was like you just need to be careful because there's a chupacabra and that's like a really big fish and it can like hurt you if it gets too close to you i had no idea that that's not what a chupacabra is <laughs> <laughs> like freaking out <laughs> But needless to say, the guys that are in our story today grew up around Lake Ontario. And so they were used to all of the lake things that I am not. Okay. So before we kind of get into the story, I want to talk about um, just the geography of Lake Ontario because it's going to come into play like later on in the episode. Okay. Um, so obviously we know Lake Ontario is one of the five great lakes of North America. Mm-hmm. And it's surrounded on the north, the west, and the southwest by Canada, particularly Ontario. And then to the south and the east is like the United States, New York area. And their boundary is like the middle of Lake Ontario. Oh, okay. Yeah. And obviously that's where the province of Ontario got the same, was from Lake Ontario. Gotcha. Some big cities that kind of border the lake are um, Toronto, Kingston, and Hamilton on the Canadian side. And then on the United States side, it would be like Rochester, New York. Okay. So is this near um, Niagara Falls? Well, Niagara River is the river that feeds into Lake Ontario. Okay. Yeah. And it's like, I loved geography as a kid. So this was like up my alley when I was looking right. this stuff up. Yeah. Um, something that I thought was cool is that while uh, Lake Ontario is the smallest surface lake of the Great Lakes, it actually exceeds Lake Erie in volume. So, so it's, it's like deeper. really, yeah. And it's actually okay. the 13th largest lake in the world. Wow. Mm-hmm. When the shoreline is measured, including its islands, it's about 712 miles of shore. Um, and then at the deepest, it reaches like 802 feet deep at the deepest. That's the average deep. De- I know. And the average depth is 800 and like, or no, I'm sorry, 283, which I also feel like is super yeah. deep. And wow. I would not have guessed that. And then I think I read, I'm not really sure, like, I'm going to be honest, like, the difference between nautical miles and, like, you know, landman uh, miles or whatever you right, call right. Yeah. But um, the lake is about 168 nautical miles long and then 53 statute miles wide. Also, don't know what that is. It's but a technical it's, term. But it's wide. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I do think that that would freak me out the depth. Uh huh. Cause, like, you know, I, I keep thinking, like, when I'm swimming in the ocean, okay, but the part I'm swimming in, I'm still standing. Yeah. Like, I never get to where I can't stand. Right. And I can't imagine, can you imagine swimming in the ocean and it's 800 miles deeper than where you are? Mm-mm. Like, that to me blows my mind. Like, I can't imagine that. 
I would just that keep thinking of, that deep. of sea creatures. Yeah, the Loch Ness Monster is going to eat me. Yeah. <laughs> the, the Chupacabra and Anthony's right. Earth. It's coming. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so obviously Lake Ontario is going to be the center of today's story. Okay. So today's story centers around six young men. There's 17-year-old Jay, 18-year-old Chad, 17-year-old Robbie, 17-year-old Jamie, 17-year-old Michael, and 17-year-old Danny. Okay, so they're all mostly 17, one 18-year-old. Yeah, and for the majority of the story, like, I'm just going to refer to them as, like, the Lost Boys or the Missing Six. Okay. They're always just kind of lumped together. Okay. So here's what I can gather of the events of that night. So it was like early morning, March 17th, 1995. So I have read varying accounts of the first detail that we know of of that night. Some reports say that all six boys were going to a party together. And then some reports say that five of the boys were together and that the sixth was picked up later in the night. But it seems like the majority of what I read leaned towards all six being together. Okay. So that's what I'm going to go with for today. Does it even change the story if the sixth was picked up later? You know how, like with Carly Gousset, we were like, whichever version, it still ended up being the same. Yeah, whichever version, like, it wouldn't have changed. Well, if he's at the party or if he's picked up later, it doesn't change what happens. Okay. So, Jay, Chad, Robbie, Jamie, Michael, and Danny are all on spring break, which for teachers is, like, one of the best times of the year. Yeah. (laughs) Because we use it to sleep or to catch up on grading. Yep. Not to be productive around our homes, which right. is always yes. what we plan, yeah. but never right. happens. Never. Um, but for many of our students, and Allison, I feel like um, you teaching high school, this is more like towards you, but many students for spring break, like that's a time that they see as like free party time with their friends, mm-hmm. especially when they're like 17 and 18. Oh, yeah. A, a lot thing. of them go actually on vacation i like know a parent will rent and that's too young i don't know my little sleuth hound she's gonna have to do a lot of convincing and i'll probably have to have met every single kid and their parents so that was not really i feel like a thing in eastern kentucky but when we moved to central kentucky and i started coaching like all of the girls were like we're going on spring break and i'm like with your mom and they're like no she just rented the hotel and i'm like oh okay cool I know I couldn't mm-mm. Mm-mm. too too many bad situations that could happen like the one we're talking about right now oh no so you know at 17 and 18 this was what these six had in mind just kind mm-hmm. of relaxing with friends and drinking a little mm-hmm. so according to an extensive three-part article I found by Kristen Callis Amanda who is Jay's one of Jay's younger sisters, was 15 at the time of her brother's disappearance. And since Jay was only two years older than her, they actually shared like a friend group. Okay. And she told in this report that she had intended to go with Jay and the rest of the crew to Chad's apartment for a party. But she actually ended up getting sick. And so Jay was like, 
bye felicia like you're staying home i'm going to the party (laughs) 15 okay now we're getting even more because you know they're going to be drinking Mm. i wouldn't want you know i don't know that just seems too young so i'm glad she was sick so she was not there yeah um and the next day is actually when amanda heard from jay's girlfriend with whom he had a baby and was living with that her brother never came home oh so i'm guessing the girlfriend was like hey have you seen your brother you know calling the sister yeah and which i'll talk later on but um the girlfriend actually calls police like the night of this incident oh Yes. And what okay. happened in those like few short hours that lead to the disappearance of the six boys, we don't really know. Um, but here's what we do know. We know that at some point the boys left the party and arrived at a local marina. And I'm guessing they were already drunk. Yes. When they're leaving a party. Yes. And now they're deciding to go near water. That's not all they decide to do. Oh, okay. <laughs> we, we know for sure that at least three of them arrive at the marina because in that same article that I talked about above, um, there are reports that they left the party at 1240 a.m. on the 17th of March to go to the marina. And we actually have reports of video footage and i say reports because that also comes into play later okay that show three of the boys like safely at the marina and we're just going to kind of assume that that everyone else is there yes okay so they left the party saying that they were going to go like goof around at this marina Okay. And like, Allison, I'm just going to tell you, like their definition of goofing off and our definition of goofing off are polar opposites. Like when we goof off, I feel like we get like raising canes to eat. Had that for dinner tonight. Mm. I know. know, We we might make some TikTok videos. Oh, yeah. Love that. We may. Yeah, we may rant. Oh, yeah. We always do that. But that's really, that's it. Yeah. For these six, goofing off meant something totally different. So when they say they're goofing off, what they really meant was that they were going to the local marina to steal some water equipment and head out onto the lake. So to be thieves. Yeah. And here are my two concerns with this. Okay. One, like you said. They stole something or mm-hmm. multiple somethings. They actually stole a boss, a replica of a Boston Whaler ship. Or I don't boat. know what that is. Um, I didn't either. So I looked it up. And according to um, like bostonwhaler.com, it is like a hardcore fishing boat. Like the military oh. uses it. Like I kind of think it's like what the Coast Guard uses. Like the little like speedboat kind of looking thing. Okay. Um, And while the one that they used was reported to be a replica, it was, like, still drivable on the water. Like, Mm -hmm. it wasn't, like, a fake. It just wasn't, I don't think, like, the real deal. But it had been described as basically unsinkable. So keep that in mind. Okay, so these boats are unsinkable. 
supposedly. Supposedly, but so was the Titanic, and we know how that went. Well, my little sleuth hound, we went over to um, my stepson and daughter-in-law's house for dinner one night, and she was trying to help wash dishes and broke a supposedly unbreakable plate. So why would that be her, though? I know. (laughs) So it can happen. Oh, that is definitely her. Okay. (laughs) So they steal the boat and they Mm -hmm. also steal a water tricycle from which what I can gather is like a glorified paddle boat. Okay. But the most like concerning, okay, not both of these things are concerning, but another concerning Mm -hmm. thing is the fact (laughs) that these people are drunk. And while I don't know a lot about a lake, I do know that it is illegal to operate a boat while under the influence, just like it would be a car. Yeah. And I'm guessing that they also didn't have life jackets on. Oh, there were, it's confirmed there were no life jackets on the boat, the boat that they stole. stole. And that is the most idiotic thing ever, because if you're drunk, if you hit your head, if you get a muscle cramp, I mean, whatever, you're a goner. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they're they're making all kinds of poor decisions right which, now. Which, again, they're 17 and 18, so they're not cogn- cognitively no. developed at this point. Okay. But I I'll feel like they should, they should still know. Yes, they should. So, like I say, we assume that all six are there, even though we only were able to confirm, sort of, that three were at this Frenchman's Bay, like a marina area. Okay. Since that video footage was viewed by the family confirming the sighting of the boys, there have been no more sightings. Like, the case has sort of hit a brick wall. So I guess that's why we assume that all six are there. Because yeah. even if you see three, if all six are gone. You have to assume that, they're that all they there. were together. Yeah. Right. Okay. According to the History of 1995 podcast that I listened to, like I said, the girlfriends of some of the boys actually do call police that night of the party. Um, and in the podcast, it says that they got worried when like this goofing off slash adventure took longer than what they thought it should and so they're like we need to call police p.s how smart of these girlfriends to not get wrapped up in it and follow along true especially the one that had the baby yeah see they're they're being responsible and i feel like they're being good because they called the police but the police like in so many other cases that we cover Tell them to call back when they've been missing a day. Oh, my gosh. Again, wasted time. Yeah, this mentality drives me crazy. Like, it always makes me wonder if police had responded quicker, would the outcome have been different? And, like, in this case, like, their potential rescue out of this water Mm -hmm. would have needed to have been, like immediate that's what i was gonna say too like when you're talking about water like that's not something where okay let's just wait right and this isn't like lakes that i feel like i'm used to this is like a huge lake like with like waves and like current 
So I would have right. so it's more like, like that. an ocean. Yeah. And like in March, Lake Ontario's water is cold. Oh, yeah. Like, I didn't even think about that. I didn't even think about the temperature. Yeah, I, pro- I read online, I think it was like, the average is like 37 degrees. So if they oh would gosh. have gone into the water, hypothermia would have set in within like minutes. Wow. So time is of the essence. But police do not respond to the case of the missing six until three days later. Three days? Yeah, because, and only because, someone finally makes a connection between the stolen Boston Whaler boat and the missing boys. Oh, that's the only reason that they get involved. Wow. So it's only then that searches begin. And from my research, the searches seemed to be extensive. I know like National Guard searched the water. Um, The local police searched along the shoreline. Officials even contacted the United States to let them know that it's possible six young men may have crossed into the U.S. from Canada. So, I mean, they did a pretty good job, but their searches brought no leads. And, I mean, when you're talking about, what was it, like 700 and some miles of shoreline? Yeah. That's a lot of miles to cover. Yeah, and, like, I don't know about boats, but I feel like even going across a lake that size would take a while. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know, but I feel like it would. Yeah. Um, in that same like extensive article, the Callis article, um, it states that Jay's home, so one of the six, became like the base camp for like operations. Uh-huh. And his younger sister, who was only twelve at the time that he disappeared, said, We had so much family. We had neighbors dropping off food. It was ground zero, I guess, and it was a mess, she said. And she goes on to say As time went on, I kind of started accepting it because Jay wouldn't do that to my mom or leave his daughter. Mm. And it seems like that is the general consensus. No one in the six families thought that the boys would run away. And really, neither did police. Despite the searches, though, which to this day are still being conducted by family, the boat and the water tricycle were never found. No bodies were recovered, no pieces of clothing washed ashore, and as a result, the police stopped searching for the Lost Boys just a few days after they went missing, saying that, like, they likely just drowned in the water. Okay. Now, I know this lake is deep, right? We talked about that, how it creeped me out, because it's like 800 and some feet deep at the Mm -hmm. deepest. And like 200, what do you say on average, like 200 and some feet deep? Like 280, I think. I feel like there would have to be some kind of sonar that could detect metal, especially as big as this whaler ship. So there actually has been a private investigator, and I'll talk about him here in a little bit, but since you brought it up, we'll talk about this. Okay. Um, That has been working on the case for several years and he contacted like a company that could do something similar to that, I believe. Uh And this is like just me recalling stuff that I've read. Um, And they agreed to do it, but told him that in the days that they were actually searching, police also contacted them and said, Hey, like, could you do this 
to Lake Ontario. And they were like, yeah, sure, no problem. But before they got out there to do it, the police were like, never mind. What? Yeah. And like, they can't figure out why it was called off. And like the, I think I read that the family can't afford to pay for it, like out of pocket. But the police were like, it's okay. We change our mind. Oh, I'd be so upset because I'm t- I, that would be the only way. And I know this boat's supposedly unsinkable, but it can't just disappear. Right. And it can't go on land. Right. So it can only go down. Right. And if it did like crash into the shore, they should have found it because right. they were canvassing the area. Mm-hmm. Um, but apparently like this was not the first run in with police that some of the boys may have had. And some oh. people believe that kind of hampered how the investigation went. It probably did. Which we see tons of tons, which isn't frustrating. I know. One piece of evidence that finally did wash up on the New York coast was a gas can. So on March 29th, a lone gas can believed to have belonged to the 14-foot Boston Whaler replica police think that the boys stole washed up in Wilson, New York. But that private investigator, whose name is Bruce Ricketts, um, and I want to add, he has been working free of charge on this case for years. Wow. Has questions about even the gas can and its location. Okay, what's he thinking? So he talked to several experts, and they really can't figure out how the gas can got to Wilson, New York. They say, according to, like, the wind and the currents, the can should have and would have ended up in Rochester, New York, which is, like, 120 kilometers east of Wilson. Okay, so... What kind of things would make it end up in Wilson then instead of Rochester? I mean, really, the only thing that comes to my mind is if someone planted it there. Like, they just assume. Because I think Mm. they're, like, almost basically right across from each other. Mm -hmm. So, that's the only thing that really comes to my mind. But I didn't read anywhere where an expert said, like, this is how it could have ended up here. Right. Well, the other thing is, too, I mean... I know they're getting on this boat in Canada, mm-hmm. and I don't know how far, like, the marina where they were is from the U.S., like, from mm-hmm. New York, but that's an awful long way, it seems to me, in my head, for a gas can to float. Yeah, and, like, the according to experts, they would have only had enough gas to get halfway across the lake, which means that they too would have had to float to get to shore. So if the gas can made it there, like where's their ship at? Right. Just a lot of what ifs. This was the only piece of evidence that was ever linked to the boys. And I think we have to use the term linked loosely because police are just saying like, Oh, yeah, that looks like the gas can that was on the boat that they had. That Like, there's no way that they can really confirm that, th- that it was. Right. It could be a gas can off any boat. Right, which could maybe explain how it got there. Mm-hmm. So, um, private investigator Ricketts has a different opinion than police. 
he said in this History of 1995 podcast that it would be basically impossible for nothing to turn up, right? Like if we mm-hmm. had one person, sure, you know, but, you know, maybe they were weighed down by some heavy clothes and they weren't able to float up to the surface. But like, if you really think about it, statistically, it would be nearly impossible for six people missing from the same time and same place and like for nothing for to show up. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Like he says, there should be a hat, a glove, remains. Something should have floated to the surface, but nothing has been found on the shoreline or in the water that belongs to the boys. So it's almost like alien abduction or something. Yeah. That's <laughs> like, what where I'm did they go? That's what I'm saying. Like, it's not as crazy as Diet Love Pass, but it's like that. Like, you can't, there's no, like, good way to explain what happened. Yeah, because it's not like they all jumped off and decided to swim and then somehow drowned because then you'd see the boat. Right. And if the boat sank, then you'd think at least one of them or, like, Ricketts thought some part of their clothing would have floated to the top. Well, there is, after three long years, a sort of breakthrough. Family members are sure that they have a clue and a lead because randomly... A pair of red pants matching the pants that Jay had on that night. And when I say matching, like, I'm not just saying, like, they looked alike. They were matching down to, like, the inseam size matching. matching. And they actually wash up onto shore. So, of course, the family is, like, ecstatic. They think, you know, this is it. We have something concrete. Like, we're going to be able to, like, identify these as Jay's and move on with this case. Yeah. Or potentially even find him and bury their child right but to the family's disbelief and to and to mine when i was reading this um the police refused to do dna testing on the pants despite the fact that there was dna recovered from the pants <gasps> okay so you're telling me that there's video surveillance mm-hmm. that would seem to show at least three of the boys at this marina mm-hmm. so we're pretty daggone sure that they stole this Boston Whaler boat. Mm-hmm. But the police refused to allow someone, and it doesn't cost them anything, right. to do a sonar search of the lake to see if anything can be found. And they're refusing to do DNA tests on the pants where we know that there's DNA. And let me add to your list. And that video that, you know, was used to identify the boys, it was viewed by members of their families. I mean, it was used to place the boys at the marina the night that they disappeared. Uh Uh-huh. Has from all that I've read, just, it's lost. It didn't, we can't confirm that it existed. What? What video? Yeah. Even though family members have said to the news, like, we saw a video of them there. And, like, some of the police have been like, what video? Uh, See? I mean, there, and we've covered several cases, Maggie. Nancy. Yes, that's what I was going to say. Last week. week. Um, 
Danette and Jeanette Millbrook, remember the police departments merged and they lost some of the evidence. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. I feel like if I can hang on to my students' papers amidst craziness for like which really have no like value exactly in the terms of people's livelihoods this would be like my rolling pin that my grandma left to me Mm -hmm. i know where this rolling pin is there is no time ever that you would be like allison where's that rolling pin and i would say i don't Mm -hmm. know it's not like what you were mentioning at the beginning you know losing a car keys i've done that right misplacing an ink pen uh using your debit card and leaving it but what you value which i would think the evidence should be that for law enforcement shouldn't just disappear right it should have a special place like when we moved all of my like wedding stuff my childhood teddy bear that i've had since i was like three all the stuff that my grandmother has given me were in special boxes that Mm -hmm. were transported in my car and went directly into the new house like they never went to a storage unit they didn't go anywhere like that i was not there because like you said like i value that and i feel like evidence should be treated the same Mm -hmm. i agree finally though the battle of the pants ended Several years later, when police finally say, like, okay, we'll DNA test the pants. Oh, okay. After a fight, but all right. And, like, I even saw petitions online, like, to have these pants tested for DNA. Mm -hmm. I mean, according to the DNA testing, though, um, there were no traces of any of the six on those pants. Hmm. So they yield no new clues to the fate of the Pickering of Pickering's lost boys. Wow. I was hoping. Yeah. And one of the sisters said um, they had a significant amount of DNA from those genes, but it didn't match my brother, mm. which is sad. Mm-hmm. So what could have happened to the Pickering six? And this is like kind of what we've been talking about. Like, where did they go? Most right. People, most people from the area, uh, much like the diet law pass in the hypothermia, believe that the boys just drown in Lake Ontario. But there are a few other theories that have been thrown out. Well, I just don't believe the drowning thing because where's the boat? That's what I keep coming back to. Like, where's the boat? And the paddle boat. Yeah. Because we're not finding anything. Yeah, nothing. There are some that believe this was all an elaborate hoax by the boys. That they planned this accident, quote-unquote... So that they could run away. But why mm-hmm. would they do that? And how yeah. would they do that? Because one, the one has a baby. Mm-hmm. They're a tight-knit group of friends that have friends beyond just the six of them that I don't think that they would want to leave. Mm-hmm. And nearly every single family member that has ever been interviewed said there is no way that the boys would run away. Also, you're planning an elaborate hoax what are you doing with the boat that you stole? Yeah. Because unless you're the Hulk, like, when you got to your destination, you can't just pick it up and carry it. Yeah. You got to dock it somewhere. Yeah. And then they're going to know where you stopped. Right. And like I said, experts have said that the boys only had enough gas to get them halfway across the lake, and they would have had to float in to New York 
So like we would have yeah. had a boat, but we don't. Yeah. You'd think if, if it were a grand hoax that they would have planned ahead. Yeah. And they would have gas. Yeah, exactly. So there's also a theory that the boys were in like a horrific accident while on the water. Some claim that the boat carrying the Pickering Six was struck by like a passing freight, which I did not even know was a thing that was on lakes. So now I know. Well, I guess, you know, you've seen there's a, like those flat barges oh. that are carrying like coal or whatever. Yeah, like near Ashland. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm there now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like while this could be possible, like what kind of damage would this cause though? Like are we, this may sound graphic and I'm not trying to mean it that way, but like if they were struck by a barge, like are they ripped to like. Oh yeah. Cause again, there'd pieces. be evidence. Like they're ripped and they, there's no way to trace them. But like, I feel like in that case, some things are going to float to the surface. Some might sink, but like some stuff should be floating somewhere. And what about whoever's driving this freight? You're just like, like oh, I, I think yeah. I hit a speed bump. Yeah, like they're not going to report it? Yeah, I'm not right. a fan of that theory either. No. And in the Callus article, Ricketts questions a third possibility. He wants, like he wonders if drugs may have had something to do with the boy's disappearance. So he says, quote, the area was a hot spot at one point in time. There was an awful lot of smuggling going on from Durham, which is near like Pickering, to the area of New York and back, end quote. So I don't know that he necessarily means like the boys were smuggling drugs, mm-hmm. but maybe just that they floated upon something they shouldn't see type thing, or they got in the tra- in the way of like a drug trafficking thing. Which, again... I could understand if they were all just on, say, a paddle boat or something like Mm -hmm. that. But even if they came across the wrong people or saw the wrong thing, what did those people do with the boat? Right. Because, like, are they like, like, I mean, I'm assuming it would be like stealing a car. Like, you would probably have to paint it and, like, right, you know, redo how it looked to make it unnoticeable. Unless they're trying to say that, you know, whoever potentially maybe was there kidnapped them, like abducted them and sunk Mm -hmm. the boat. Which I guess could have happened. Which would explain why the boat's not there and no piece of them appears. That's true. And that may be like the best explanation. Mm -hmm. Because, you know... If it was something that they got into in between something, like like you said, if they were just shot, the boat would still have ended up on the shore somewhere. So I kind of feel like maybe it is like they sunk the boat and took the boys on board. Mm-hmm. So honestly, I don't know what happened to the Lost Boys of Pickering, but I do believe that something should have turned up somewhere. Agreed. At the end of the day, no matter what theory you're walking away from today's show with, six families are left grieving. That's right, sleuth hounds. Six families. If the boys were lost, if they were victims of a drug deal gone wrong, 
or died in a boating accident, these six families deserve to know what happened. They deserve answers. It's easy to forget about tragedies like this when your family is safe at home. It's hard to forget about tragedies like this when your son is lost. Because of one choice, these young men will be forever known as the Lost Boys. But it's my hope we can help their families find them or at least find out what happened to them. Maybe one day we'll read a headline that says the Lost Boys of Pickering have been found. Until then, we have to keep sharing their story and keep believing that answers are out there somewhere. Again, please like and join us on our Facebook page, Coffee and Cases Podcast, to continue the conversation and to see images related to this episode. As always, follow us on Instagram at Coffee Cases Podcast and on TikTok at Coffee and Cases Podcast. Or you can always email us suggestions to coffeeandcasespodcast at gmail.com. Please tell your friends about our podcast so that more people can be reached to possibly help bring some closure to these families. Don't forget to rate our show and leave us a comment as well. We hope to hear from you soon. Stay together. Stay safe. We'll We'll see see you you next week. week.